You may be seated. Today I want to encourage us about the church and our being a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You may remember some years ago, Dr. Christy Wilson, who's now with the Lord, was our missions conference speaker. I studied missions in seminary under Dr. Wilson, but before he was a missionary to the country of Afghanistan, this is before that country was closed, and Christy started a house church and eventually obtained permission from the government of Afghanistan to actually build a church building there in Kabul. And on the cornerstone of that building, this inscription was placed, to the glory of God who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. This building is dedicated as a house of prayer for all nations in the reign of his majesty, Zahir Shah, May 17, 1970 A.D. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What a marvel that is, a church to be built in a largely Muslim country. In 1973, just three years after the dedication of this church building, the government cracked down on Christianity. And the very church that, that Christie and that congregation built was torn down. But the secret police had learned that Christie and his church had gone underground. So to make sure that they destroyed the church, they not only tore the church building down, but they dug down very deep to find that underground church beneath the foundation. In a comical way, the government officials really did not understand the nature of the church, did they? But the Apostle Paul encourages us today with the nature of the church that he has established from the one man that he has created. And today we want to look at the fellowship and the foundation and the formation of the church of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 19 through 22. And before we read the Word of God, let us pray. God, our Father, we are just so blessed to be a part of your church. We're not part of an institution. We're not part of a club. We are part of the only group of people gathered that will last into eternity, the Church of Jesus Christ. And I pray today that you might so work in our minds and hearts and our souls that we would be encouraged not only to be members of this church and your church, but be encouraged with how you are working to build your people together into this grand and glorious church that will last forever. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says, so then, verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul's teaching in verses 11 through 18 that we considered uh, last week really all kind of distilled down to this one little word or these two little words that we find in verse 19. I'm just impressed with much of what Paul is saying in chapter 2 just kind of comes down to a word like, but God has, or but now Jesus has, and now today in verse 19, so then, so then, Jesus who tells, Paul tells us of the work of Jesus in verses 11 through 18, that those who were once alienated from God and alienated from each other, were redeemed, peace and reconciliation came in those relationships between sinners and God and between sinners, where now peace and reconciliation defines that relationship, and all that resulted in Jesus creating one new humanity. And now the implication of miserable, alienated people having peace and reconciliation by the blood of Jesus and through the cross of Jesus to form one new man. The implication of that we find in verses 19 through 22 where we learn about the nature of the church. So then, we might summarize, Jesus has created one new man to establish his church, a holy temple, a dwelling place for God. Even if we stop right there, it's an amazing reality, isn't it? What God has done in establishing his church. So we want to look at first that the church is a fellowship, fellow citizens being brought together in the household of God. It's about communion with Christ and therefore with one another. So Paul speaks of these alienated people, alienated from Christ, alienated from each other, being alienated no longer. So then, no longer, Paul says, no longer are you Christless, no longer are you alienated from Jesus. So in verse 19, we find the Apostle Paul describing this fellowship as a fellowship of the saints. And the very designation saint implies that something has happened in that relationship between the sinner and Jesus, that we have communion with him. In fact, we learn about what a saint is by, by the introduction of Paul's letter to the book or to the letter to the Romans and Verse 1, we read that Paul addressed the letter to those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. We also learn about the identity of a saint in 1 Peter and chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, where Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I think both of these scriptures remind us that being a saint means you've been united to Christ in saving faith. You've been brought into the kingdom of God, the very kingdom we've been singing and praying about thus far in the service. And now we are reading about it. A saint is one who has God's covenant love bestowed upon them. And here in Ephesians, Paul tells us that we're no longer alienated from Christ. We are in union with him. We're no longer, as he says, aliens and strangers. We're no longer aliens and strangers to the commonwealth of Israel, God's people. We're no longer, we're not only no longer Christless, we're no longer stateless. We, we're fellow citizens, Paul says in Verse 19, we're part of that holy nation that Peter talks about in chapter 2. And it's interesting, the, the emphasis that Paul makes is that we're just not citizens individually. It's we're fellow citizens. We're together as citizens in the church, emphasizing the fellowship of the church. I remember when I was a Boy Scout, I had the privilege to lead the Pledge of Allegiance at a natural, naturalization ceremony. And these were immigrants who had gone through the very lengthy process of becoming naturalized citizens of the United States. And I was there, my, my little uniform, my little shorts on, my little knee-high socks with the little tassels, remember those? And just standing there, scared to death. And I'll never forget the look in the eyes and the voices of those new American citizens when they put their hands over their hearts. And for the first time, as citizens of our great country, they said, I pledge allegiance. It made an impression on me to not take for granted my citizenship in this country. But what Paul is saying here is our citizenship in a physical nation pales in comparison to our fellow citizenship being together as citizens of heaven. This country will come to an end one day. My passport will count for nothing one day. But my citizenship in heaven will never end and neither will yours. And it's not just my citizenship. Brothers and sisters, it is our citizenship fellow citizens we're in a fellowship here in this church what a glorious reality this is and we're no longer estranged from one another just to emphasize the point more about this fellowship because the apostle paul says we're members together of the household of god that that we have a communion together we have the truest level of friendship 
in the church of Jesus Christ where we have a need, then our brothers and sisters meet our need. When we are hurting, our brothers and sisters come alongside us and share our hurt. When we stray from the flock, our brothers and sisters, a friend comes to bring us back. When we are discouraged and beaten down, a brother or sister in the household of faith comes alongside us and encourages us to keep on loving Jesus. We are members together of a household of God. It is a family. It is more than a nation. It is deeper than being a citizen. It is being brothers and sisters together in the church fellowship. And I would say, I've heard this said by some of you, that being, having a brother and sister in Christ is thicker than blood relations, is a greater brotherhood or sisterhood than what you find in your own biological family. We've been loved into an eternal family. The blood of Jesus and his cross has established us in an eternal family. Fellow citizens, members of the household of faith, all pointing to the fact that this one new man that we read about in verses 11 through 18, the implication of that has now been established in a fellowship, a, a church. And because of that, all of those things that that might seek to divide us, the, general, the, the generational differences. Bill Scholl, Lee Rosner, two, two different generations. But what the generations of each of these men, where there might be division because of those generational differences, all of that has been killed by Jesus. It should have no bearing in the church of Jesus Christ because we're brothers and sisters. We're fellow citizens. And think of all the other things that divide race, socioeconomic status, political issues, philosophy of ministry and worship. My goodness, I could go on and on and on. All of that that would divide has been killed by Jesus. That's what we learned last week. And the implication of that is that it's been killed so that we can be a family. So that we can be fellow citizens. So that we could have a friendship that's greater than any friendship you might have with someone not in the church of Jesus Christ, even your own family. And listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Put on then, he says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. This is how we should treat one another. Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's the deep, deep fellowship that Jesus has established for you and me in his church. What a glorious reality. 
Today, converts to Christianity in Afghanistan face extreme persecution by Islamic oppression. And I read a story about one man in his family, Saif, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's a Christian, but he can't even speak about Christ. What was described as a miracle in his household came about, and he couldn't even tell anyone in his little small village in which he lived for fear of being persecuted. He was arrested. His family didn't know what happened to him. And then he was released. But he said, it's really difficult being in a place where there's no church and there's no fellowship. But we do get fellowship by listening to Christian radio. Now that story really impacted me. Because I have to admit, sadly, that I take the fellowship that I have with you for granted so much of the time. And maybe you do as well. Yeah, fellowship. Those people at Covenant are going to be there. People like Saif who are Christians and don't even have another Christian other than their immediate family to talk to out of fear of persecution. They understand how precious fellowship is. They understand how wonderful it is to have another brother and sister to walk together down the road called the Christian life. I don't think Saeed takes fellowship for granted. Even the little bit he gets listening to Christian radio, which is probably outlawed in his village, by the way. And brothers and sisters, we must not take the precious fellowship that Jesus has established here at Covenant Presbyterian Church for granted. It's a glorious thing. And this fellowship that Jesus has established here and in every other place where he has placed his people and gathered them together in the church is not a fellowship that's just out there floundering about on its own. No, it's a fellowship that is founded, that is placed on a solid foundation. And that's the second point in verse 20 that I want us to consider. This is the solid foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, this, this foundation that is our authority and our stability. So you heard just a few Sundays ago, the debt on this sanctuary building is paid off after 10 years of paying a mortgage. No more debt. Praise God. Yes, thank you. And it caused me to think about the construction of this building that I just enjoyed so much. It's, it's almost like 10 years has just flown by. Maybe our treasurer doesn't think that <laughs> after, after paying that mortgage every single month. But nonetheless, to me, it's just kind of flown by. And I was thinking about how they, do, how they excavated this area here. And let me tell you, we have a solid foundation here at Covenant Presbyterian Church because we spend a lot of money excavating this place because it is solid rock, to be sure, as well as a really great foundation. But the the solidness, the stability of the, found, the physical foundation of this sanctuary, and we'll add the fellowship hall as well, is just simply pointing to the real foundation of this church, which is the foundation that Paul speaks about here in verse 20, the foundation of Jesus Christ. In, in fact, our fellowship is dependent upon 
the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And in verses 21 and 22, when we get to the, the mission and the maturation of the church, it too is dependent upon the stability, the soundness of this foundation. So let's talk for just a moment about the foundation itself. The, the key to any foundation is a cornerstone. Now, we don't have an actual cornerstone here in technology as such. So they do all this by lasers, and it's really slick. But this principle is the same. You need a reference point, and that cornerstone is the reference point from which the rest of the foundation is laid out. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here is that Jesus is that cornerstone. We read about it in Isaiah 28, where there Isaiah speaks about that there's a foundation laid in Zion, Jesus, really Zion in the Old Testament pointing to the church, and Jesus being that precious cornerstone. And we might think about that precious cornerstone that Isaiah speaks about, that Paul speaks about here in Ephesians, that Peter speaks about in 1 Peter chapter 2, that is reflected throughout the scriptures as being the person and work of Christ. And if we think about the person work of Christ really being the story of the Bible, can't we say that in one sense every page of the Bible is about Jesus? Even some chapter in, in uh, the book of Deuteronomy or, or, or Numbers. <laughs> it's about Jesus, isn't it? He's the story of the Bible. So when we look at the Old Testament prophets, what did they do? They wrote about Messiah, Jesus, who was to come. And when we look at the, the New Testament apostles, what did they do? They wrote about Jesus, Messiah, that had already come. They were bearing witness to him. Both were bearing witness to him. So, in a, so then we can think of the foundation as being the apostles and the prophets. That is their teaching that is referenced solely to Christ. Therefore, we can take the foundation to refer to Jesus himself the truth about Jesus himself, the word of God, the scriptures. And so the church of Jesus Christ is founded on this authority known as the word of God, the truth about Jesus' person and work. And it's a foundation that is sure and certain. It is stable. And think of it like this. Paul said, so then... You're no longer Christless, you're no longer stateless, you're no longer friendless, you have this fellowship. We're no longer hopelessly tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every whim of philosophy and new idea and new idea that's really a bad idea, a remake of a bad idea. From No, we have the truth of God our foundation as our anchor in a rough sea, as our solid foundation in the greatest flood, and it will hold fast and not give way. In our day, objective truth is just so ridiculed, almost anathematized. That's why movies like uh, the, the Genesis project that's showing next week is so important to put the truth out about what the Bible says about creation. But for us, all the more, we need to hold fast to the authority and the stability on which the church has been built, and that is the very 
Word of God. How we govern, how we discipline, how we minister, how we fellowship, how we worship, how we church plant, how we engage the world as salt and light, how we evangelize, how we do missions, all of that is to be rooted and founded upon the Word of God. I know some builders take shortcuts. And I know some builders take shortcuts with the foundation, save money and save time. But if you take a shortcut with the foundation, it will show up in even the nicest building. When the foundation is faulty, the building will not last. Now, we have a sure and solid foundation here at Covenant Presbyterian Church. But we may take a shortcut by not resting on that foundation. Instead of doing what God calls us to do, maybe we want to take a shortcut of doing what we might, the world might approve of us doing. And though Jesus Christ's church will stand, we can't destroy it. Yet, when we take a shortcut by doing an end run around the truth, the church, our church, any church will suffer. And so the encouragement here is that we have this precious, wonderful fellowship that has been founded on this authority and this authoritative and stable foundation. And so we should seek fellowship founded on biblical fidelity. And as we do that, as we, as we seek to be together as the people of God, as we learn here in Ephesians, and as we found our fellowship and our church on that solid foundation, not taking any shortcuts, then we become instruments of Jesus growing and maturing his church, which is our third and final point, verses 21 through 22. The formation of the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And this points to the growth and maturing of the church. It also points to each one of us in the church of Jesus Christ having a hopeful future. Listen to these words first from Paul, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know? That you, speaking of the church, that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. And then 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5. As you come to him, that is Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It is absolutely mind-boggling what God has done in establishing his church. He has taken those dead in sins and trespasses. He has taken the whole lot of those who were alienated from God and one another, and he has saved them into this, this holy temple, this dwelling place for God, this, this spiritual church that will last 
forever. He has established this precious fellowship on this solid and authoritative foundation. And now we learn he is growing it. He is building it together and growing it and maturing it. And it will never be hindered. It will grow and grow and grow and grow. You know, this, I, I'm, I'm being apolitical when I make this statement. Statement. But there's so much being said about make America great again. What Paul is saying is Jesus is making the church great. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, should be our focus, our primary focus. Not to say we shouldn't work for the success of our country, but we're fellow citizens of a greater country heaven and Jesus is making the church great and we're part of it do you get that we hear so much negativity today so much that depresses us today but we're part of what Jesus is doing in making his church great not great again, great. And it will never, ever be hindered. When we built this uh, sanctuary, we, we wanted to erect a true cornerstone. At least I did. But our architects, Steve and Jim, said, well, really can't do that. The, just the design doesn't lend itself to having an actual cornerstone there on a corner of the building where we could put a cool inscription like Christy Wilson did to that uh, church in Afghanistan. So the next best thing, we have a, a marble memorial plaque on, uh, the, in the wall just as you come in the front doors. Have you noticed it? <laughs> Here's what it says. 2006, that's the year the sanctuary was completed. Covenant Presbyterian Church, then organized 1974, then down below, Solideo Gloria, for the glory of God. So, the word organize is very specific. Why didn't we put established in 1974? Covenant was particularized as a church in April of 1974. Why did we not put established? I'll tell you why we did not put established. Because... Covenant President, the church was not established in 1974. Uh, Jesus is the one who is establishing the church. In fact, the church was established in the Old Testament, wasn't it? So it's a little hard to put a date on it. Maybe Genesis 2 might be a good date for the establishment of the church. But there's been one church throughout all time, even in Old Testament days. So this church was... Has already been, the church has already been established. This church was organized in 1974 to be part of what had already been established, the church of Jesus Christ. And we're a small part 
of this great formation where Jesus is building by bringing his people and all of these churches that he is organizing and bringing them together to be part of this mighty host of God's people living in this time, in this day, that have lived in every time, in every day, in the past, and will in the future until we all reach glory and be there the church perfected and the church triumphant. Listen, dear friends. And I can call you my friends because we're in a fellowship. We are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We are part of something so much bigger than Covenant Presbyterian Church, bigger than our presbytery, bigger than our denomination. We're part of what Jesus is doing in building and growing and maturing his church. Verse 22, the whole structure, the church universal, is being joined together and growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling place for God. I hope that we will be encouraged today. And as I look at covenant, we we see this, this growing and maturing taking place even within the walls of, of our church. We're growing and maturing spiritually through worship, and Bible studies, through Sunday school, through iron sharpening iron, iron. We are growing and maturing in being equipped to minister to one another, just to enhance that fellowship. We're, we're growing and maturing and being equipped to minister to those outside of our church body. As one example would be the Millen Ministries Initiative where we're really trying to encourage us to, to actually get our hands dirty in serving others by showing mercy. The missions conferences coming up, that's another way that we encourage one another to be about the work of proclaiming Christ uh, to the nations, there, there are just so many ways that we are growing and maturing spiritually and by being equipped to do ministry here at Covenant. And part of that growth and maturity is God growing us numerically. And it would be really easy for us to become discouraged about the fact that our numbers might be down a little bit from, say, two years ago. And maybe I could just, don't, you don't need to raise your hand. I will, I will do this. I've been discouraged. I'd like to see every possible seat filled in this church. And it's, it's, real, <laughs> it's real easy for me to say, well, if they had a better preacher, maybe, maybe they could. Uh, or better congregation, I don't know. <laughs> all, all, all of that is foolhardy talk. Let me, let me just tell you. Do you know God's bringing new people? We just, had a, we just recognized a, a couple that joined our church today. A couple I really love. I love you all. But, but so, so thankful to have the cross ones here. And just about every other week or so, we, we have a family or a single meeting with us to join the church. 
God is growing us according to his plan and his timetable. He's adding to our membership. And I, and I really want to encourage us in this way. Not only is God faithful to bring people into our church, but I want you to know I, or be reminded, and you may not know, but if you don't know, I want you to know, and if you know, I want to remind you of how God has used our little church as his instrument to build his church in so many places. March 5th, in the evening, I will be at Redeemer PCA in Siloam Springs. And the church that Ted Winger began some years ago that we've supported is being organized as a particular church. In the near future, I'll be going to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And Christ Community Church with Hunter Bailey will be organized as a particular church. Our missions conference speaker, Nathan Scholl, both Hunter and Nathan, sons of this church. Nathan and Christy are planning a church in Charlottesville, Virginia. Christ Central, I believe, is the name of that church. And I long for the day, and I anticipate the day, that that church will be particularized, organized as a particular church. Let me refer to my list so I don't leave anyone out. Central Presbyterian Church with Dan Anderson. Hope Celine with Chris Treat. There's a new church plant in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, we've already, as a church, been God's instrument to plant Trinity Fellowship in Sherwood. Christ, part of the, the team to plant Christ Church in Conway. Starting Hope Church in Hot Springs. And we're part of the Mid-South Church Planning Network. We, you and me, together, our little church is part of the Mid-South Church Planning Network that where other churches in our, in our region are working as God's instruments to plant churches, a multi-ethnic church south of Memphis all the way down to a new church on the Gulf Coast. Now listen, I don't say this for us to be boastful at all. But to say, Jesus is true to do what Jesus said he will do. And what did Jesus say he will do? I will build my church. And I want you to be encouraged along with me that God is building Covenant Presbyterian Church for his glory. And God is using us as his instruments for the building of his church all over this country, in Japan, in France. God has established the one man as a fellowship that transcends everything that would divide. God has founded this fellowship on the true and certain and sure foundation that will hold forever. And God is forming his church that is a growing, maturing force that will last into eternity. A holy temple in the Lord. A dwelling place for God. 
And you and me are part of that. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would give us an even bigger picture, bigger sense of what you are doing in establishing your church. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.